had to support Larry. He supports me when I preach, so uh, it's good. I, uh, I really am thankful for the opportunity to share this sermon. This sermon is going to end up with a, um, a type of invitation that, uh, in addition to our regular invitation for prayers or uh, to make a decision to be baptized, there's going to be a response to this invitation that I want all of us to make. And I'll get to that in a few minutes. Last week, we uh, thanked God and we examined how God has helped us launch so many great ministries like Celebrate Recovery, and He's helped us launch new ventures like Gina's trip to Bulgaria. Uh, I'm sitting here looking at uh, uh, Craig and Lindsay Johnson right now, and they've launched from this church to go and do ministry in Ohio. And uh, just going over that last week, talking about the ways that God launches us out and we have to let go and, and follow, that, that was an encouragement. You can pick that up online if you missed it last week. But in that same spirit and also with an acrostic for those of you who love that, we're going to talk about what it means to be light or to reflect God's light. And so, five points following L-I-G-H-T. The first thing that we need to do if we're going to be um, God's light is, um, is look for opportunities. I want you to remember Colossians 4, 5, and 6. 4, 5, 6. I think those numbers go in order, don't they? Yeah, do they? Yeah, okay. So, I, I don't know how you're going to remember Colossians, but then you can remember 4, 5, 6. Well, actually, you could just remember 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, because C is the first letter of the alphabet, O is the second letter, and L is the third. And you're saying, that's not correct. Of course not, but now you'll remember it even better. Colossians 4, 5, and 6 says, Be wise in the way that you act towards outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation be always full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. Uh, Larry was mentioning the fact that... Um, some people who are in the service uh, industry, uh, servers at restaurants, they call in on, on Sundays because uh, they think that the church crowd is, uh, is really bad. And yeah, there's been some examples of that. Now, I know that's not true of anyone who is a part of this congregation. No way. But I will tell you a real story very quickly about a friend of mine who she became a believer in Christ because Christian people reflected the light of God. She came to me one day and she said, um, she told me that same fact. She said, you know, most servers, they, uh, they hate to serve on Sunday afternoon after church services because church people are really rude. And I said, oh, it was the first time I met her. I said, and you said there was two things you wanted to tell me. Yeah. Second thing I wanted to tell you is some of your people have been showing up at our restaurant. I thought, oh boy. But then she said, what was so important she said but your people are different she said yeah she said they took an interest in my life they asked me how I was doing they even offered to pray for me she said I want that same kind of faith I want that same kind of love in my life now you see you can be light 
if you look at that, not as an opportunity to say, well, here comes these servers who think that all of us Christians are rotten. So what? Use it as an opportunity to be different, to show God's light. And if you're waiting forever and your tacos are burned or whatever, thank God that you have burnt tacos to eat. Use it as an opportunity. Now, I want to point out, too, that when we look for these opportunities, you have to know that if God has given you that opportunity, he has equipped you with everything you need to be light. See, we look for opportunities and we're like, oh, I need an opportunity to share the gospel with someone. And then when they come to us, we get nervous. What am I going to do if they ask me where the soul goes after someone dies? What am I going to do if they ask me where Cain got his wife? Because I won't know how to answer that question. And then their faith will be shattered forever. Oh, but we've got a minister to the world that we have at, at West Ark, and he knows all the answers to all the Bible trivia. We'll get him to tell them where Cain got his wife. Listen, I can answer that one for you right now, and it's real simple. Cain got his wife from God. There you go. Okay, now, here's the thing. Nobody is going to ask you a Bible trivia question, and, and if they are, then they're just curious, and they just want to talk. If they're trying to poke holes in your faith, then shake the dust off your feet and move on. Because that's not an opportunity. This verse says that you've got everything you need to answer everyone. You do. You do not have to go to Bible college. You do not have to have a master's degree or a doctorate in theology. You've got everything you need to answer the question. And you don't even have to have an exact photographic memory of every scripture in the Bible. Do you see it right there in that verse? If your conversation is full of grace, if it's seasoned with salt, which means that it's passionate and it's appropriate and it's genuine, it's zesty, that's all you have to have to be sincere and to be gracious. And if you can do that, then you will know not what to answer everyone, but how to answer everyone. Somebody may ask you a question you don't know the answer to, and you might say, you know what, I don't know the answer to that. But I'd really just love for us to just keep talking, and maybe God can reveal it to us. Now, how would you respond to an answer like that? If you're very cynical, you might say, well, that's just a bit of a cop-out, you know. But if somebody said that to you with a genuine heart and you knew that they cared about you, you'd probably respect that. Same thing can happen to you. So if we're going to be light, first of all, let's look. Let's look for the opportunities and we can be wise. And God gives wisdom to those who ask. That's in uh, the letter from James. We're going to give you a double on I. You get a twofer. The eye and light is invite and include. Two of the um, followers of Jesus that I I really appreciate the most are Andrew and Philip. You don't hear a lot about Andrew. Andrew is Peter's brother. Oh, you know, we've we've got stories about Peter, Simon Peter, and all the things that he's ever done. He's, you know, historically, uh, through the, uh, the Catholic tradition, he's considered the, the first uh, Roman pope. I mean, it just it goes on and on. We got a lot. 
But what about Andrew? What about Andrew? You don't hear a lot of Andrew stories. Uh, Peter's, remember, you got St. Peter's Basilica. You've got it all over Europe. They give Scotland to Andrew. It's like no, nobody else was like, uh, here, Andrew, you can have Scotland. Okay. You know, that's, uh, you know, he didn't understand what it meant to be a saint for Scotland. So they, 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 they got him in there. Um, Andrew, though, Peter would not be a follower of Jesus without Andrew. In John's gospel, he tells us that Andrew, when he found Jesus, went to find his brother Simon. And he brought Simon to meet Jesus. He invited him. He included him. If nothing else, Andrew is the link between Jesus and Simon Peter. Likewise with Philip. Now, the the, the narrative with Philip, Philip, the same thing happens. He goes to Nathaniel. Nathaniel's a bit more skeptic than Peter. Philip says to Nathaniel, hey, we've found the Messiah, the one we've been waiting for, Jesus. He's from Nazareth. Nathaniel goes, Nazareth? What? You know, nothing good comes out of Nazareth. That's like going and talking to your... uh, um, sooner friends and and you say uh you know hey i i I think uh you know something really good is coming out of austin texas what you know nothing good comes from austin texas you know see i got an amen (laughs) but then what what uh what nathaniel says is he says well okay why don't you just come and see for yourself Philip says, okay, you're going you know, to say that, then come see. He includes him. He's like, I'll tell you what, I'm not going to convince you. I'm going to let you be convinced. You come and see. You know, sometimes we may have to, in being light, realize that there are people who are going to be a little skeptical, and we don't have to be defensive. Just include them in your life. Can I tell your story? Just real in a nutshell. Oh, Craig started coming to, uh, Craig Johnson, who's now a youth minister, he started coming to the Lions for Christ, and he was skeptical. And, and, and this is his story to tell, too, but he lets me tell it. And, uh, I mean, what's he going to say to me right now? I just asked him, you know, can I tell you a story? No, okay, well, I'm going to tell it anyway. Um, but listen, there's a, there's a uh, he had a friend who invited him, and then the group included him. God took care of the rest. He realized that God's power was real and that it was blessing his life. So if you're going to be light, don't be afraid to invite and include. You're going to come up with every reason in the world not to do that. Well, if I invite people, they might say no. Mm -hmm. They might. They might. I can tell you what they're going to do if you don't invite them. They're never going to hear anything. Yeah, but if I include people, then, you know, they might start coming around all the time. Well, maybe that's something you need to go talk to somebody about. What if I go up to meet someone and I invite them to something and they said they've been a member of that church longer than I have? That's okay. That just means you've made a new friend, okay? So can we just all say right here and now that if you introduce yourself to someone today and they said, Hey, look, I'm not new. I've been here for 20 years. That we shall take no offense from that. 
I would be happy if you introduced yourself to me and said, hey, it's good to see you here. And I said, well, I've, I've been here 15 years. I'm offended. Get away from me. You know, I, I'm not going to do that. <laughs> Just look at it as an opportunity to say, well, I guess God wanted us to make friends today. He wanted us to meet each other today. You got to take a risk. You got to be bold. And, you, you know, you, you don't know what might happen. Heck, the casinos are getting some of us over there to play their games by saying, you know, uh, uh, you won't win if you don't play. You know what? I guarantee you, you can play over there for a long time, and you are not going to win, okay? It is not going to happen. That's kind of like saying, well, you won't get struck by lightning unless you stand around outside. But if you don't invite and include, you could be missing out on great opportunities, to be God's light, to share your life with others, to experience the gospel through the lives of others, and to celebrate God's victories. You're also going to get a twofer with the G. And this one goes together, one big phrase, and I want you to remember this. Genuine interest is always better than the greatest technique. Mm-hmm. Now you see, for years we've thought that we have to have the right technique. That if we could just figure out the magic bullet that would get everybody to accept the gospel all at once. So we've tried mailing comic books to people. We've tried, we've tried, um, uh, you know, film strips and videos and CDs. And if anyone has come to the gospel because of those, praise God, it's happened. In one of our classes recently, we were talking about the film strips, the, the visualized Bible study, also known as the Jewel Miller film strip. A lot of people became believers in Christ because of that presentation. But part of the process was that genuine people who cared that others know the gospel went to their friends, went to their family, and they spent the time with them talking about it. In Acts chapter 8, when the um, Ethiopian accepts the invitation to be baptized, He's reading scripture. He's reading Isaiah. God's word is what convicts him. The gospel is what convicts him. But he has the interest of an apostle, Philip, who is there to say to him, do you understand what you're reading? Someone to help him along. That genuine interest in others It never replaces the gospel. But that's far better than having a special technique. Because we we keep looking for the greatest technique, and I think what we're wanting to do is we're we're wanting to just process people like numbers. I I remember one uh, very wise fellow put it to me like this. He said, I've got a bit of a problem with numerical goals. I said, what do you mean? He goes, we always do this goal setting for soul winning. He goes, how much sense does it make for me to go up to people and say, Hey, I'm Chris Benjamin. My goal is to make 200 friends. Do you want to be my friend? I mean, at what point then you say, yeah, where am I on the list, you know? Oh, I haven't quite made it to 100 yet, but I'm getting there. And uh, whereas if you just say, hey, I just, I'd just like to get to know you and maybe we can be friends. That's more, that's more genuine. 
And we don't need to be artificial about this. We all understand what artificial evangelism looks like, okay? And it's, kinda, it's almost kind of sad and seems inappropriate to mention it. But when you have the certain groups that come and they door knock at the absolute wrong time, and I'll just mention one, I don't mean to be mean, but, you know, they're the guys on the bicycles. And uh, they, uh, when I was living in Abilene, I thought, I'm a theology student. This will be a great opportunity. And they would come to my house. And I said, you know what? God's going to give this, me this opportunity to study Bible with these guys. And, and funny enough, they have a different book. But they, uh, but they said, we want to come and study with you. And so I said, okay, let's start off right. What are your names? Well, now, these, these two guys who uh, have uh, zits on their face and uh, are younger than I am, and I was young then, introduced themselves as, uh, I can't remember, I just remember that the first name was Elder, you know, Elder Joe and Elder Jim. I said, okay, wait, I'm your elder, uh, just in terms of age, so can we get past that? And the one guy goes, no, it's Elder Jim, it's Elder Jim. And the other guy, you can tell, is not. he's like, look, just call me what you want, you know. And, and we just keep talking about it. And we keep talking about the, their, the book they're reading. And they said, you know, when you read this, did you have a warm glowing in your bosom? And I said, no. Uh, you know, I, and I said, just being honest with you. And they said, okay. And you could tell I derailed their, 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 their flow chart at that point. Because they were like, wait, he said no. You're not supposed to say no at that point. What are you supposed to do? And I said, I'm not trying to be difficult. I'm just telling you the truth. I really do want to talk with you guys. And that's what the artificial form of this looks like. And you and I are not called to have a technique so that we can go out like duck hunters and bag as, as, you know, as many ducks as we can. You and I are not called to be hunters and, and get as many deer as we can. You and I are called to be genuine, sincere Christians. And, and that is where God's light will shine. H, I'm borrowing H. Cade Richards gave me this one. He, uh, he got this from Bill Hybels, uh, who wrote the book, uh, How to Be a Contagious Christian. And uh, Hybels has this, again, a formula. It's not a technique, but it's a formula. And I, here's the thing, though. It is a, a bit of a technique, but I like the way Cade uses it better. Heibel's formula is, uh, he writes this algebraic formula, maximum impact, M-I, equals high potency plus close proximity plus clear communication. And the reason why you have those three uh, factors added together to create the maximum impact is because that gives you enough material to write a book. The, uh, it's good stuff, though. It's good stuff. Let me explain what high potency, clear communication ought to be, well, that, that ought to be a given. Um, you know, you can't, you can't go up to people and ask them, you know, so are you a pre-millennialist, post-millennialist, or amillennialist? Because what you say about the tribulation matters today. People are just going to turn you off. High potency, and I like Cade's uh, twist on this better than what Heibel said. High potency means that you have got a connection to the source of the gospel. You cannot go to a dry well and get water. You can lower the bucket. You can put the pump down there. You can do anything you want. If, there, if that well is dry, there's no water. But it's a well. Yeah. 
But now it's just become a hole. No one is going to benefit if you and I are so worn out, drained, exhausted, so out of touch with our own spiritual discipline and our own spiritual health that we have nothing to share. When Hal Runkel was here back in August, you remember that he said, um, uh, you know, the thing you have to do first is put your own oxygen mask on. I've been using that one for years. And uh, the, uh, but the thing, it's like when the cabin depressurizes on a plane, you have to put your oxygen mask on before you help others. And if that sounds selfish, if you're saying, but there's no time for me to put my oxygen mask on. Because there's so many that I need to save. If you're feeling overwhelmed and burdened saying the whole world needs me to save them. Then it's just like the oxygen mask. You're not going to put your oxygen mask on and go and valiantly try to save others. And in a few seconds when you can't breathe, you're going to become the flotation device that someone's going to use to stay alive. That'll be your only contribution same way spiritually you've got to tap in to the gospel i want to show you something take a look with me at ephesians 5 because this is also this is often our our uh, our worship verse but i want you to know it's so much more in ephesians 5 right around the neighborhood of verse 18 in fact if you go back to 15 paul says Be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise. Does that sound familiar? Remember 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6? Yeah. Same author, same message. He's learned to say these things because they're tried and true. Making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Therefore, what for? Therefore, because... You need to make the most of opportunity. The days are evil. Don't be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Don't get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. What is debauchery? Uh, When have you ever used that in a sentence? Um, Other than Scrabble. Here in New Living Translation, I think they've said it well. Don't be drunk on wine because that will ruin your life. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. Speaking to one another with psalms, hymns, songs from the Spirit. Sing and make music from your heart to the Lord. Always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. The command word is to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Not to be filled with intoxicating spirits. Some people say that alcohol is a social lubricant. What they mean is, well, I need that alcohol so I can get courage. So that I can speak to other people. No, chances are the alcohol is uh, masking a real problem that that you probably ought to seek help for. That makes it difficult for you to um, uh, associate with others. Just one uh, other word about Celebrate Recovery and other recovery programs. As soon as people realize that you know, drinking is their struggle, but they understand it's something else, and then they, they confess that and they're healed, They're unburdened. They don't need the social lubricant anymore. 
Now, it may not be wine for you. It may be something else. It may be a sense of confidence that you've got to have or affirmation from others. But you don't need that to be light. You just need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. That's the high potency. And then the second part of that is to be in close proximity. What that means is you can't share the gospel with someone who's not there. Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount said that um, you let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and praise your Father in heaven. Now before that he used a simple little parable that everybody can understand. He said, he said when you light a lamp, you don't cover it in a shroud. When, when, you, when, you, uh, when, when you light a candle, you, you don't hide it under a basket. I remember years ago, my dad always had this huge kerosene lamp. It's an antique that's been kind of passed around in our family. I don't know where he got it. But uh, it, it, it sat above our television on this, on this very, in this very special place. And I always marveled at that thing. It just sat there. It had the oil in it and, you know, very beautiful. But it's just a decoration until the day when we had an ice storm and we were without light for quite a while. What were we going to do at night when we needed to turn the lights on? And Dad lit the lantern. And then he put it back up on that very special shelf. And it could shine and illuminate the entire room. I was amazed by it that when he lifted it up, it could light everything. You and I have to be out there reflecting the light of Jesus. It does no good for us to have that Bible study, to absorb the goodness of the gospel and God's word, and then just keep it all to ourselves. It wasn't meant for that. And in fact, you might think, well, that's going to be the hard part. No, it's not. That's actually going to be the process that makes this all go together. It's like breathing. You have to inhale. You have to exhale. You have to bring in the oxygen, put out the carbon dioxide. The plants love that. They give us oxygen back. God has made everything where it has those sort of cycles and rhythms. If you don't believe me, then you just pick your favorite, inhaling or exhaling. Just pick your favorite and stick with that, okay? See how long that works for you. Then you can report back to me when you become a flotation device. The, um, the last letter, here you go, is trust. Trust in God. In all of this, you know, you may not be convinced, you may be nervous, the whole idea of being light. And I really want to encourage you to be intentional about what you do. Sharing your faith with close family, with friends, and with people you've just met. Sharing the faith, not just your faith, but your story is an important part of this too. At the end, trust in God. If you have a genuine interest, if you're really reflecting the gospel... You're not going to get this wrong. We cannot be afraid of failure. If you're going to fail, and if you're convinced you're going to fail, then fail for God rather than fail for yourself. Because that fear of failing might be a bit of pride on our part that we don't want to be seen as being wrong. You know what? If you fail for God, God he's going to turn that failure into a victory. Acts 15 is the, is, is the leaders of the church, and they've gathered together, and the 
testimony that they bring there because they're trying to figure out what are we going to do with these Gentiles? We didn't know that they were part of this gospel thing. Yes, they are. We know that because Peter went to the house of a well-known Gentile, Cornelius. It wasn't his decision, but Cornelius summoned him. God told him to go. God told Cornelius to summon him. God brings those two men together. Next thing you know, Cornelius and his Gentile household get the Holy Spirit. So now here's Peter, and he's telling all the other leaders, God knows the heart. He showed us that God has accepted these outsiders. He did it by giving them the Holy Spirit. There's no more identifiable mark than that. And he gave them the Spirit just like he gave it to us. And that shows that God's going to work out the details. God's going to bring this together. Moses was convinced that he wasn't the right person to send to Pharaoh. Jeremiah was convinced that he wasn't the uh, prophet that needed to preach to the exiles. And God responded to both of them, more or less saying, I'm God, I don't get these things wrong. If I say you're the one, you're the one. You know, some of you, you might say, well, but, you know, God, you don't understand. We have great elders. We have a preacher. We have people who are trained to do this, perhaps. But did you know that there are messages that only you can share with others? That it might be your story. Gina and I have talked before. Do I get to tell your story here? Okay, she says yes. You know, I get matters. Uh, That, you know, I've told her, I've said, Gina, you will be able to preach gospel stories. You'll be able to share the gospel message in a way that I can't. She will have access to people that I will not because they're going to relate to her. Here's a woman. Here's a woman who understands what they've been through. She can speak to them. And likewise, I have access to people that she doesn't. But that's why God doesn't put this burden on just a few people. He gives this opportunity to all of us to share how he has been at work. It is everybody's opportunity, obligation, joy, and privilege to be light. You. Jesus says you. Not just three of you or four of you or a select few of you. But you, you all, all y'all are the light of the world, a city set on a hill. You can't hide it. I'm going to make this very specific for our invitation. Next Sunday, August 19th, we're going to have what we call our back-to-school blessing. It is an opportunity for us to shine. Just like Night to Shine, another thing that we launched a couple of years ago, uh, this is an opportunity to shine. We're calling it the back-to-school blessing, and we've added in what we call the back-the-badge back blessing. It's just an opportunity for us to invite people that we know, uh, people in education, you define that however you want, and people who are in law enforcement and public safety. And again, you define that however you want. But, but we've looked at it and we've realized, you know, in our culture today, just like those servers at the restaurant, and maybe we need to have a... Uh, you know, uh, back the bus boy blessing one day. We will when God makes that clear, but that's every Sunday. On this Sunday, you've got people who in this culture are underappreciated and over-criticized and just a little bit of light can dispel that darkness. Who do you know that you could invite, that you could include in this? 
every one of you, and you might say, oh, but we haven't done enough uh, advertising. We haven't done enough promotion of this. We should have run ads in the newspaper. When's the last time you read a newspaper? You, at your fingertips, have more communication power than TV, radio, and print. I'm challenging you to use it. You use it. Announce this. Invite. Start there. Just do that. The only reason I can think of that you won't do that is you can't. That's okay if you can't. If you've got a flip phone or you don't even know what a hashtag is, that's fine. But a lot of you do, and you can do this, and you can do this before we even leave here today. But then I want you to go a step further and just find a real person, a person, a breathing human being, someone you know or maybe you don't know them. But pray to God and look for the opportunity. Include and invite them. And remember, genuine interest will be better than a great technique. you got to be in close proximity so that that high, high potency of the gospel can work and then just trust in God. Same thing goes for two weeks where Cade is asking us to invite a student to lunch. That's the invitation I want you to respond to. While we stand and sing this song, I want you to really be thinking about that. And if you need to respond to the gospel in any other way, just let us know while our shepherds are up here or back in room 100. Let's sing.